Hey guys, this is Damien Leone, writer-director of Terrifier 1 and 2. And Hi, this is Laura Libera. I play Sienna in Terrifier 2. And Hey there, horror fans. This is David Howard Thornton, Art the Clown himself from Terrifier and Terrifier 2, and you're listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. to the horror squad podcast this is episode number 248 i messed that up last time i don't remember what i said but i think i was like six or seven off tonight we're talking about terrifier 2 we also have three uh guests on tonight if one of you boys wants to tell everyone who those people are sure i can do that so yeah we have three very special interviews with the cast of cast and crew of terrifier 2 me and steve were able to do the interviews very exciting number one we have the director himself, uh, Damien Leone. Number two, we have the new final girl, who we will be talking about uh, later on today, Lauren Lavera, who played Sienna. And then last, but certainly not least, Art the Clown himself, David Howard Thornton. Three great interviews, so definitely stick around, all you Art the Clown Terrifier fans, because uh, we went into depth about Terrifier 2 and behind-the-scenes stuff and everything. So it was great. So stick around for those interviews. Sweet. Uh, did he talk about his Grinch movie coming up at all? Uh, I, I don't remember. I think he may have briefly mentioned it, but we didn't go into de- they That hadn't been announced yet, so we did mm. not uh, really go into d- detail about it. Uh, I just saw it on Letterboxd today. I was like, oh, shoot. That's be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. So what else is going on, guys? Not too much. It was uh I forgot to shout it out last week, but it was Canadian Thanksgiving this past weekend. So happy belated Thanksgiving to our Canadian yeah. listeners and give us the spread. Typical, you know, Thanksgiving stuff, turkey, yeah. mashed potatoes, gravy, mm. uh. um, you know, roasted vegetables and uh. Uh, there was <laughs> red cabbage, there was uh. cranberry something. And uh. <laughs> just like regular you know, stuffing, the, the, the whole works. Uh, and the rest of the weekend, I basically just played video games and watched movies. I watched a lot of fucking 2022 horror movies in the last week, like something like 15. So I'm really plugging away at those. And yeah, it's, it was fun. You know, it was a good three day off weekend. So happy about that. Very nice. Uh, Sam and I went to a thing called uh, Halloween on the Hill, doing some spooky activities. We had never been before. Sam found it. I didn't know much about it, but it was really cool. You'd like walk through the woods and they basically have like a ton of like carved out jack-o'-lanterns and they play Halloween music and stuff like that. So it was really cool. It was just like a little walkthrough thing. It wasn't like a haunt, but it just like really had the spooky, woodsy Halloween vibe. So that was pretty awesome. So anyone local to the area, check it out. Halloween on the Hill in Beverly, Massachusetts. Very cool. And uh, let's see, I did a pumpkin patch over at like a local farm. Nothing scary, anything like that. They did have a maze, but it was like a foot high. So nothing, nothing crazy. You can step over everything more for the kitties, you know, pet some goats and some sheep, things like that. And, you know, kids sports, Saturday we have football and Sunday we have basketball. So that's always fun. I'm just ready for Halloween, man. We've watched a lot of like the the baking shows on Food Network, you know, making cool zombies or whatever. I just, I, I love it. I love that stuff. Even though it's super cheesy, especially on Food Network with all their stupid costumes, it's such like, it's cool. It's fun. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I watch all of those as well. Just fucking love them. How's uh, Halloween more? How's uh, Halloween Wars this season? Because I know they, last season they, they it kind of sucked. It. So they, ruined they ruined it, it still. Yeah. yeah. 
I hate since uh, Zach Baggins took over. It's just, it's not the same at all. But there's another one. I forget what which one because I watched so many of them that basically is Halloween Wars. So it's like really the same show as Halloween Wars used to be with a goofy host and no celebrity guests, which I really loved having like celebrity horror guests and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a bummer, man. That show is just a shell of its former self since they changed it last year. Too bad. Right. I, I've been wa- I watched a couple episodes of the uh, Ultimate Pumpkin Carving thing that's on that same network and that one's pretty fun but they changed hosts they had allison hannigan from uh, american pie but they have a new host this year but i'm i, I kind of miss allison hannigan couldn't afford it for a season two <laughs> there's no way just yeah it's good though I, I like it too i like to see uh people's originality come through and stuff like that so uh joe this yes. weekend we got event number one of two so That's right. uh, you want to tell us a little bit about the event this weekend and then, of course, our big event next weekend. Of course. Yeah. Uh, ooh, I can't believe it's finally here, folks. I mean, we're, we're we're getting down to it. So if you're listening to this the day we release this on Friday, tomorrow, October 15th, our good friend of the show, Damien Maffei, is going to be coming to Salem, Massachusetts, signing at Silver Moon Comics from 1 to 5. So yeah, definitely come meet Damien. He'll have, you know, Haunt merch and Strangers Pray at Night merch. And of course, his very new exciting project, he's going to be in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. So he's going to have uh, prints and stuff for that too. So definitely come and meet Damien 1 to 5, Silver Moon Comics, tomorrow, Saturday, October 15th. And then, of course... Next week is, of course, the very big event because the entire Horror Squad podcast will be there. Me, St- Steve, Todd, and former host Sam from Halloween Happy will also be there to hang out. But yeah, we are going to have, of course, Omri Katz, who played Max Dennison in Hocus Pocus. Just a completely full day for that. Once again, he will be signing at Silver Moon Comics from 1 to 5. And then if you were lucky enough to get tickets to our sold out screening now we are going to be screening hocus pocus immediately uh followed by a q a with omri cats hosted by us the horror squad podcast so it is going to be just an incredibly fun day get there early folks parking you know i was out this weekend and uh, all parking garages were full by 10 a.m it was a madhouse down there so plan definitely plan um check out our social medias i gave some tips on parking you know, we get there, you know, public transportation and we have some free satellite lots. Those are definitely going to be your, your best friends and best options to get into town. Don't take Salem around this time lightly, because trust me, it can be a nightmare for you if you, if you don't follow, uh, you know, the, the guidelines. So, but we look forward to seeing you all. We're going to have a bunch of free uh, horror squad swag and uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time. So we look forward to seeing you at either one of the events. Awesome. And uh, just to put a cap on that, here it is from Omri himself. So Omri, take it away. It's me, Omri Katz, a.k.a. Max from Hocus Pocus. Just here to let you know I'm going to be in Salem, Massachusetts on October 22nd at the Silver Moon Comic Store starting at 1 p.m. I'm going to be signing some autographs and meeting fans and whatnot. And then after that, there's going to be a special screening and a Q&A hosted by the Horror Squad podcast at Cinema Salem. So I really look forward to seeing you guys there and don't miss it. What watched? Yes. Who wants to lead off? I'll go. I watched uh, 
whole bunch of movies so it's a matter of picking which ones i feel like talking about so let's start with the first one uh 2022 film i watched over on shutter and it's called Deadstream. so this one is about a guy he's a youtuber and uh he had a bunch of controversy and he got canceled then he had like a half-assed apology and then this is his like return to form for his uh his viewers and his listeners so what he does as a channel is he takes these like extreme challenges and films them and then he kind of you know streams them on youtube and stuff like that so for this challenge he decided to go uh, overnight to a very haunted house or as he puts it the most haunted house in america that i could afford and that i could get to so that's what he does so he goes with his equipment into this haunted house and then he starts putting cameras everywhere and telling the story of what happened in that house as he's talking to his uh you know, people are watching live on his live stream and he interacts with them as well. And then, you know, shit starts happening. And I don't want to say too much more than that because it gets fucking crazy from there in ways that I personally didn't expect. I think this is the type of film that a lot of, some people will love and some people will hate and not a whole lot of middle. I think it depends on if you're along for the ride if you uh, maybe they, they do a lot of play on live streamers and YouTubers and inf influencers and stuff like that. Like a lot of the jokes are about people like that, kind of making fun of th those people in a way by presenting someone who's like that. And uh, yeah, it's just, I personally really loved it. I was totally along for the ride. I was interested to know what would happen next, because like I said, this movie goes to places and it was obviously a very low budget, but I think they utilized that low budget really well uh, just by uh, masking stuff. I mean, some of the effects, uh, they're all practical effects, but some of the, or mostly practical effects are are a little cheesy. You know, it's, you could tell there's not a ton of budget into it, but I appreciate them trying and stuff like that. There, there are a few like CGI type effects, but it's used that they had to do it that way. They couldn't practical effect the things that they did for that. And yeah, I just really dug this film. I, I was totally into it. and. It's one of my favorites of the year, to be honest with you, because I was, this is a movie that I didn't really plan to check out. I was kind of doing like work in my basement as it was playing, but then I just sat down and watched the whole thing because I was so interested in it. And for listeners of our other podcast, Let's XP Geeking Game podcast, this fucking felt like Resident Evil 7, the movie, the way he goes to the house and like the first hour or two hours of that game felt very much like this movie, so... Uh, yeah, it's great, and I, I dig it, but like I said, it's not for everyone. So that's Deadstream over on Shutter. Oh, let's hear Paul Allen's review of that, because I, I see you guys had opposite Paul Allen American Psycho reference. Joe, because um, you guys are like a point different on that, so what, what do you think about it? I thought it was like okay. Like, you know, I definitely didn't love it as much as, as Steve. Yeah, we were about, a, I think Steve gave it four, I gave it two and a half. For me, it just didn't hit the same. My issue is I just like I, I, it just reminded me of like a dash cam from earlier this year, but like a less annoying main character. I mean, the, this character was still like annoying, but, you know, in like kind of a more a, a better sense to me. The, I mean, the jokes, most of the jokes didn't hit for me personally. I mean, also, I might not have been in the right, the right mindset when I watched it. I think, you, you know, I think I was looking for more something a little different at the time when I put it on. I also I think you will like this, Todd, though, because it it has big Evil Dead vibes. Like, I feel like they definitely, you know, borrowed heavily from uh, Evil Dead uh, throughout the movie. But yeah, 
to, to me, it was just like, okay. Like I don't, I don't hate that. I watch it. I'm not on the love or hate, you know, I'm kind of just down the middle with this one. Not something I would really care to watch again, but I don't hate that. I watched it either. I have three real quick ones that I'll lump together because it's part of my uh, my horror world world tour because I got that map on Letterboxd. You just want to see all green. It's kind of annoying to have it all black, but it's there's a lot of countries out there, man. And some of them don't have any movies, which is a bummer. So we'll get there. But uh, the first one will be The Demon. This one's from Mongolia, which is pretty cool to see some representation from there. Uh, it's your basic demonic possession movie where your friends go to the house that has a possessed person in it and they have to do the exorcism. Decent. All these are going to be in the two-star realm because, you know, especially cultures or whatever that are starting out making movies don't have the most budgets, you know, and they're learning and borrowing a lot. So they're not going to be the best. Usually the next one is from Kazakhstan. And uh, that one's called in the dark. Not um, Borat. No Borat. In this, one. <laughs> <laughs> this is another uh, ghost slash demonic kind of thing. Uh, I think a lot of these uh, movies focus on that. Cause it's like one of the easier topics to get. If you get some, you know, body paint and some screaming and dark, you know, dark rooms you can pretty much emulate a lot of the movies they see now and finally it's going to be fury of the demon um this one is from poop let me pull it up right quick it is croatia and basically the premise which just this one is pretty interesting is that there was like a lost film a horror film from like the turn of the century silent film right that this filmmaker got everyone together he's like hey i have this lost film you're all invited to come watch it so it's a mockumentary about bunch of french and filmmakers talking about the screening of this movie which turned everyone in the theater kind of insane and started fighting and biting and you know banging and things like that so it was very interesting however what i liked about it was the actual like history of the silent era french film films that they were doing with it like they were talking about like all these different filmmakers and stuff like that so i got really into the, like the real aspect of it and then when it got to the fake stuff of like watching this fake movie and you know talking to some French filmmakers, that's when it kind of lost me. So I actually liked it more of his documentary than the fake stuff. So Fury of the Demon, all three of those are on Tubi, and that's three more countries off the list. So I'm pumped for that. Very nice. My first watch tonight is a remake from 2022, and this one is called Goodnight Mummy. Now, I loved the original Goodnight Mummy, so I was intrigued i guess to check this one out especially because they had a good cast they got naomi watts um in this one to play the mom and this one is on amazon prime if you want to check it out and this one follows a similar theme to the first movie um it's about brothers who go to stay with their mother and when they arrive they see that she has had some sort of facial surgery where she has bandages covering her entire face but they notice that the mom is kind of acting a little different and essentially the rest of the movie is them trying to decide whether this is actually their mother or someone possibly in disguise or we don't really know um and i'll leave it at that because obviously this movie has if you've seen the original you know this movie definitely has some uh twists and turns and if you haven't this movie has some twists and turns um you know i think it was an okay enough effort you know it was a decent one-time watch not something i would care to watch again my big issue was is that they change things up which isn't a bad thing obviously with a remake because you don't want it to be the exact same thing as the original but the things they changed up is what made that first movie so fantastic and great so that was the, the biggest disappointment here also i think they 
made it too obvious of what the twist was in this one. Um, they, you know, they kind of kept it a little more secretive in the first one where it wasn't just, and maybe because I've seen the first one, I, you know, I knew where it was going and it seemed more obvious, but even Sam called it out, you know, and she's never seen the original. So maybe like a laundry movie watch at best, but you know, not, not something if, if, if you don't see it, you're not missing much. Watch the original instead. If you want to watch a good movie. Nice. So my last one this week is still a 2022 film. I watched this one over on Amazon Prime, and that's My Best Friend's Exorcism. So this is a story of two girls who are uh, best friends, and you know they're just hanging out, they're having a lot of fun, and they go to this like creepy house, and all of a sudden in the creepy house they see this really creepy looking thing. I, I don't really know how to describe it. It kind of looked like an eye to me, but anyway, they see this creepy thing in the house, and all of a sudden it starts doing shit. And one of the two girls gets left behind while the other one runs away. And then she goes to find her and they think, you know, everything's cool. But then that girl starts, you know, exhibiting different behavior. She starts being mean to people. She starts doing really mean shit to her friends and her best friend and saying weird stuff. And she's her, her whole demeanor is changing. So that's when she figures out that there's something really wrong with her. And they had seen this. So this takes place in the 80s, by the way. Uh, they had seen this thing at school from this group called Bros for Jesus or something like that, which are like these three dude bros that uh, get on stage and just like sing, dance and show their muscles and, you know, preach, uh, I guess, the word of God or whatever. And one of the three dude bros or Bros for Jesus, like he stopped mid-performance and looked directly at that girl as if there's something wrong there. So the other best friend caught that. So she went to find those guys, and especially that guy who had stopped, and decided to enlist him to do an exorcism, essentially, or at least to figure out what to do with her friend. And then they go through this fucking crazy exorcism, and a bunch of other stuff happens. Uh, this movie was like a decent watch. It's not something that I would rewatch necessarily. I think the comedy is okay, but I don't think I'm the target audience for this movie either. So that's probably why. The horror is also okay, but not like super far enough that I'm like okay this is really cool there are some scenes that are decently horror so it's really like a kind of thing where the comedy is good enough the horror is good enough so the movie is like okay but it's not like one of my favorites or anything but I was entertained throughout I love the 80s vibe I love the music that they used to portray the 80s and stuff like that it was well acted and I did get a few laughs out of me so I think it's worth watching one time. And that's my best friend's exorcism over on Amazon Prime. Very cool. Without spoiling too much, did they leave the tapeworm scene in from the book? Yes. Yeah. yeah it, that was, really was, a, that was actually one of the highlights of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool book um, by Grady Hendrix. And uh, I'm glad they left in the bros for Jesus thing because that thing was like in your mind, like, what the fuck? <laughs> so that's cool. I mean, Goodnight Mommy, the original is really cool. So that's a bummer to see the second one or the se- or remake, actually. Kind of sounds like what's the one with the German boys that go in Home Invade and then they made a sequel with Naomi Watts. I think it was Naomi Watts. Oh, yeah. Funny Games. Um, funny games yes. Yeah. That was a, not a good remake either. Mm. All right. Let's see. I've, I've been watching more than usual as well. Let's go with Jeepers Creepers Part 4. Jeepers Creepers oh, Reborn. Boy. Man, I, I, I don't know what they were thinking with this one i remember the trailer was pretty decent i think we all thought it was 
had potential and then the movie comes out and holy shit this movie was terrible uh, i'll start off by saying at least it's it's, it's slightly better than part three just because remember part three had like walmart brand effects and things like that at least this one tried even though they're pretty cheap too the plot is stupid like the creeper looks really off and not physically imposing like the first two you're like damn this motherfucker will eat you you know and this guy is just like kind of skinny and like i don't know the characters the plot they're going to like a horror con that's not really a traditional horror con it's more like a i don't know kind of weird shit going on outside con they the green screen is this reminds me of like when we were in high school and had a green screen we're fucking around with it like it was terrible like you can tell every single green screen shot they had it was just awful d wallace is in the beginning she's okay but like the whole time you can tell she's phoning it in with this really bad script so anyway jeeper uh, the creeper he wakes up after you know 23 years and he's this time he has a cult a cult following and these town folk um led by like kind of like a voodoo kind of lady they're gonna sacrifice people to her and our main girl is pregnant and they want to have the jeep the creeper eat the baby or something i don't really i didn't really follow that but it's just dumb everything about this is terrible and i would not recommend it it this series needs to just stop one and two were good regardless of that piece of shit director but this just they're done there's no way they can go with this anymore in my opinion so terrible half star that's a shame because you know we'll get into it later with uh art the clown terrifier but like you know the creeper is definitely like a horror icon and it's a shame that like he's you know kind of been not given the right treatment and the fact that they recast jonathan breck after three movies too like doesn't make any sense to me like it's not like he's commanding a ton of money to come back and do a a fourth movie and they didn't even ask him so i I don't know why they he wasn't asked or anything was disappointed but that's that's a fucking blessing for him this movie is probably yeah (laughs) maybe yeah right yeah i watched it too it is bad like everything that todd said is very accurate it was wow just not good on almost any level they, they need to bury this fucking franchise i think it's just it's just the way it is it's inconceivable how how much they missed the mark mm-hmm. on Absolutely. the entire thing it's too bad because i think the main girl with a better with better material would probably be pretty good but like this script is just fucking awful at one point she's talking with her friend who's like pulled over to take a pee and you know and then she's like don't get those air force ones dirty you know it and i'm like what <laughs> like what? why are we talking i don't know the whole thing man is it on is it like worst of the year candidate uh yeah top five worst of the year for sure i think top my worst is like the shark with alicia silverstone oh i i, I, I watched that too <laughs> oh, you did? it's bad yeah. man I, I didn't hate it as much as you did oh my god the green uh, screen's <laughs> the same as fucking jeepers creepers yeah, and, and her acting is just awful Oof. but i thought i thought it was entertaining enough like i watch a lot of really bad shark movies right and so this one by comparison was decent i thought like not i wouldn't watch it again that's for fucking sure but i, I was entertained enough yeah this one's we... a contender <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, my last one tonight, and I'm sure Steve and Todd can talk about it too, because I know they both watched it uh, this week as well, and that is Mr. Harrigan's Phone, the new Stephen King adaptation that just dropped over on Netflix. This one uh, stars Donald Sutherland and also Jaden Martell, who you guys would know best for playing Bill in the It remake. Uh, And this one is about 
the Jaden Martell's character, I think Craig is his name. He basically befriends this old man who is a billionaire and he starts going to his house, reading him books and just kind of spending time with him. And they form quite a special bond and friendship over the years. And then, well, actually, well, and then Craig decides he wants to buy Mr. Harrigan an iPhone. And Mr. Harrigan obviously isn't an old curmudgeon. And, you know, he could give two shits about this iPhone. But they end up bonding over the iPhone where when Mr. Harrigan realizes, hey, this is pretty cool. I could check out stocks. I can read the Wall Street Journal and, you know, do all of my rich old man things on it. And yeah, so they, you know, their bond grows stronger. And then, unfortunately, Mr. Harrigan ends up passing away. I wouldn't really call these spoilers, and I'm sorry if they are, but uh, because it kind of happens like really early on in the movie. And that sets up the rest of the story where uh, Jada Martell's character starts receiving messages from beyond the grave from Mr. Harrigan. Or does he? Was Mr. Harrigan's phone hacked? We don't really know. And the mystery ensues from there and i'll leave it at that overall i really enjoyed this one i thought it was a really solid thriller now i say a thriller because this definitely isn't going to make like my horror list or anything like that because I, I feel like there wasn't a ton of horror in this one it's more of just kind of a tense drama i guess at best you know there are some like thriller moments but you know, definitely not much for the horror fans out there, but still a great movie. Nonetheless, great acting by Donald Sutherland and Jaden Martell here. Their uh, relationship was super believable um, and just felt really genuine. And I loved the both of them in this movie where the movie, I guess, loses me a little bit was I feel like they could have went darker for sure. Because, you know, people start bodies start turning up and that's all I'll say about that. And I, I feel like they could have kind of shown you know, how these bodies got there. Um, you know, all the kills are pretty much off screen. And then I feel like the ending left a little to be desired. But other than that, really solid flick. And I liked it. I'm there. I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a good one, man. This is a really, really good short story uh, by King. And they pretty much copied it almost word for word for the most part. Uh, leaving a couple things here and there. I mean, I know his dad asked him at one point, hey, is he fucking touching you because they spend up like a lot of time together and that's the natural question to ask you know younger boy with the older man but it wasn't ever like a plot point but other than that it's pretty much the same throughout so it was a really good adaptation i'm there with you though like i wish they would have gone a little bit more horror with it because i'm struggling too like one of my higher ranked films of the year but is it horror enough to make the 10 i have to go back to the ghostbusters argument afterlife you know like that's a ghost murdering people or one person and then here's a ghost quote doing something maybe or maybe not. Who knows? So I don't know. We'll see at the end of the year. But where do you sh- sit on that, Steve? With uh, well, not? Ghostbusters, you see the ghosts. Uh, that that was an easier, <laughs> easier argument. This one, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me because it wouldn't be. A, it's not on my ten, top ten anyway. But I really liked it. Like the relationship between the two is fantastic. It's funny be- that you say that it's really like the short story because it was so Stephen King. Like the first scene when he's narrating what his hometown was like. I like I could feel that Stephen King the way he describes the way his town is like describes specific things in his town and stuff so I thought that was hilarious Uh, my issue with the film is that a lot of unanswered questions in there and I thought it ended too abruptly like when it ended I was like wait is that it (laughs) there's not more to this like I didn't understand there was no real conclusion it just ends like I guess it could be I, I guess I could see how it ended but I don't know I guess I wanted more explanations like there's a scene where he says and this is not really 
a spoiler because it doesn't really go anywhere. He says, uh, what's behind the closet? Like some mysterious looking door. Because like, all there's skeletons in that closet. But they never address it again. Like, it, I guess it was just a metaphor, but now I want to know what's behind that closet. <laughs> just l- little things like that that I wish. There's nothing. Nothing behind the closet. Yeah, no, it's. No, in I, the book, there's nothing. So, Do they open it? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like little things like that. Like these lines, like we had the same argument with uh, Barbarian. If you're going to have a line like that in the movie, you got to follow through in it. You can't just put that out there and then make me wonder the whole film. Is there something behind that closet that's like sinister, the source of power or whatever? I don't know, but it is what it is. I, I still really enjoyed the like performance aspect of all this. And yeah, it was a good film. Yeah. One more note is um, on that one is I really like the early 2000s stuff. It brought me back to, you know, getting your first phone for at least Joe and I were in around the same age as him getting our first phone. So it was like, this is cool. I don't know. I just like that part. Definitely. I got one more really quick one tonight because for spooky season, Sam and I went over our friend's house and was just hanging out. And my friend mentioned he'd never watched Poltergeist before. So we threw it on, gave it a rewatch. And man, I'm so glad I put that movie on my top of the 80s list because after rewatching it, like that's a five out of five movie for me. Like I'm, I don't, I think I gave it four and a half like on Letterboxd, but I'm up in it to five. Like I think that movie is damn perfect, damn perfect horror movie a movie that didn't need to do like do or show a lot. And then my friend also, he's like, wow, he's like for a horror movie, there wasn't like one kill in that entire movie. Like, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. There's no body count, nothing like, but it's just so fucking effective and the scares are fantastic. And like it, it just builds perfectly. I mean, holy shit. One or two Toby Hooper's best, no doubt about it. So yeah. Amazing. You would have creamed your parents at the Halloween Horror Nights house. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> top, top three of all time for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was great. And, yep. And then right after that, we shut all the lights off and we watched Blair Witch Project. And nice. I mean, I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> he loves it. Look at him glowing. Literally, he's literally <laughs> blushing. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was like I hadn't watched it in maybe a couple of years, year and a half or something. And just this is just as amazing as I remembered, essentially. Yeah. Have any of you seen Smile yet? Because I, I thought Steve I haven't. I was going to, but no, I didn't end up going. So yeah, me either. I'm, I'm here. I'm it's... hearing extremely positive things about it, though. Yeah. Cool. We'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. Maybe a November, or December watch once it hits. I'm sure it'll probably hit VOD by then. So maybe, maybe something maybe we can cover during the slow time. Salem Saturday night after our 19-hour day. Just... <laughs> <laughs> a movie, take a nap. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, trivia? Yeah. All right, so that was uh, beginning of quarter four. So we're at zeros for the quarter. However, overall, it's 53 for myself, 48 for Joe, 42 for Steve. And these guys have to watch Pappy's Graveyard, as voted by you guys on the Discord, between Pappy's Graveyard and another shitty movie. Uh, I forget Breaking the title. Wind. <laughs> <laughs> Twilight, Twilight spoof, Breaking Wind. So uh, Pappy's Graveyard. We'll be on the wet watch next week for both of these turds. Just for the record, I did watch it, and uh, I can't wait to discuss it. Let's just put it at that. It's 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 a movie, all right. It's a movie. It's it's something. Yep. All right. I'll go first. Get us started here. All right. This is a four clue type of question. So my first clue is road trip. Next up is cattle. So road trip and cattle. All right. Here comes the easy ones. Head cheese. Oh boy. Um, I mean Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You got it. 
All right. I, I thought it was too simple in my head. Yeah, like, I was like, this is too easy. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was waiting for you to say, I was waiting for you to say which one. I was like, all right. Nope. All right. Beautiful. Uh, all right. First question. And no one sent trivia this week, so I'm pulling these ones out of my ass pretty much right now. All right. What horror film depicts a character smashing their dirt bike into an artificial wall? Uh, Cabin in the Woods. That is correct. Yeah. Nice. Good movie. All right. So my first one is from Kayla. Um, she sent this a long time ago. I just didn't have a time to ask him. In Creepshow 2, what does this hitchhiker keep saying to Annie? Want to see something really scary? No, that's a uh, Twilight Zone. Uh, oh, what, mo- what, okay. what movie is this? Hitcher 2? Creepshow 2. Oh, Creepshow 2? Oh, yeah. thanks for the ride, lady. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good job. <laughs> My mind was completely wrong on that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the ride, lady. Actually, when me and Steve were up in Bangor, we saw like part of like where that movie was filmed. That's cool. mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or that segment, yeah. All right. Four clues. Clue number one. Clue number one is the Dawn of the Dead remake. That's clue number one. Oh. Clue number two is Road Trip. So we have Dawn of the Dead remake and Road Trip. Number three. Yeah. Clue number three is Mountains. Clue number four is Inbred Mutants. Hills have eyes? Yeah. Incorrect. No. Both of you. Inbred mutants. Is it um, was it wrong turn? It is wrong turn. Correct. Yeah. Nice. Where's well, the Dawn of the Dead remake? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will. I will tell you. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead remake has the guy who played Terry in it, oh, and the guy right. that the girl that liked the dog in it. So that's the Dawn of the Dead reference. Right, right, right. And then road trip. Obviously, they're all driving somewhere, and then mountains and inbred mutants. All right. All right. Is it back to me? <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. All righty. Uh, three letterboxed reviews. Mm. Name the movie. Alrighty, number one. A grimy, cheapo shock fest whose cover would have hooked your eye at the video store. Okay. Number two. Hey, it's every 2 a.m. screening you ever sat through at a horror con, but somehow not shitty. (laughs) And number three. I can see why audiences were split down the middle on this one. With split in all capitals. Oh. Letters. Um, I'll do the obvious guess of split. <laughs> Incorrect. Okay. No, video store would be at least in the 80s or 90s at the most. Split down the middle. I'm trying to think of... Uh, I don't know. Forgo your first guess? Yeah. Would you like me to reread any of them? Or all of them? You no. Guess again, Todd. Uh, is it Malignant? Is not malignant. Dang. I have no idea. Go ahead. Okay. The correct answer is tonight's first movie, Terrifier Part One. Really? Yes. What, why split? Oh, split because she split. He, oh, split. Okay, right, right. Split yeah. the girl in half. Because yeah. <laughs> see, the video store fucked me up. There's no way he saw that at a video store. No. It, so it said. <laughs> he said. Um, a cover, uh, a, a cover that would have shocked your eye at a video store. Okay, see that. Yeah, so, nice. yeah. That's what that's what messed me up. I was thinking mm-hmm. too, like way before mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so my next one is also Letterbox reviews. The most fucked up wholesome movie. 
<laughs> this is probably going to give it away. The Greasy Strangler. No. Damn it. Okay. Well, Joe gets his first free guess. France <laughs> never fails to make movies I would never watch with my parents. <laughs> um, what, uh, I don't know, actually, no. I mean, it's not a Serbian film, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Is, 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 that, is that a wholesome movie? <laughs> wholesome French horror film. Wholesome in French, huh? Yeah. All right. Most fucked up wholesome. All right. So this one's really going to give it away. So you guys got to be quick on this one. A family can be a fireman on steroids. The murderer oh, pretending. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I love yeah. that movie, man. I have to. One. I have to redo this one. This one wasn't like good enough to put on because it's too like it doesn't say anything, but it made me laugh. My son just looked at the television and said, "Do you think Titan is too ambitious and confrontational to be nominated for mainstream American <laughs> awards?" <laughs> He's a forty-six-year-old letterbox reviewer, and I hate him so fucking much. <laughs> I love it. Oh. <laughs> All right, last one. In House of a Thousand Corpses, what show are Otis and Grandpa watching before the two cops show up? The Monsters? Oh. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Good one. Oh, boy, that movie. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Final one. Fresh scab right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What film showcases death by strangulation with a clothesline in the shower? Um, Final Destination. That is correct. Yeah. The first one? Yep. Todd. The first is the one. character's name, too, I think, that dies in that. That is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's All been right. a while, man. So uh, this is a French translation. So oh, I took no. the French <laughs> title of a movie, translated it back to English, and this is what it popped out. We didn't do great with these last time. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we played a bunch on the um, uh, on our Hangout with uh, the Discord mm. and yeah, got a lot of practice. So, <laughs> so this one. Lost Generation. Hmm. The Lost Boys? That's right. Oh, sweet. oh, nice. Good work. Thank you. What's that in French? Lost Generation. Oh, I don't remember. Like, la, la, I think it's la, la Génération Perdue. Cool. Is <laughs> <laughs> that it? Yep, that's it. All right. Solid, solid performance for everyone tonight. Um, I'm going to leave with four. The two piece for you guys tied. So I think it's going to be a good quarter. Which brings the scores up to myself, 57, Joe, 50, and Steve at 44. Lovely. Lovely indeed. All right. Terrifier 2? Let's do it. Yes. All right. Terrifier 2. Who's laughing now? After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to Miles County where he must hunt down and destroy a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night. As the body count rises... The siblings fight to stay alive while uncovering the true nature of Art's evil intent. All right. So we have a new cast of characters, but we have Art the Clown, obviously, he's walking around. This takes place right after the first Terrifier movie. So it'd be worth a rewatch to watch that to see where that ended up. We have Sienna, who plays a high school girl. She has her brother and her mother. They live at home. Their father had passed away, and that's a plot point later in the film. And it's like, you know, it's obviously a soft spot in the family dynamic. She is making an epic costume for a Halloween party that she's going to go to. Meanwhile, her little brother is kind of exhibiting maybe a little bit murderous tendencies. He's uh, worshiping Art the Clown. He's going to dress up 
dresses him for Halloween and it sets off a warning warning lights for the sister because like hey this guy is like a real killer he just killed people like a year ago in our town why are you going to worship him wear a costume walk around town um, turns out that Art the Clown's body was never recovered from the scene but there was a weird art drawn in blood at the morgue and the mortician was killed so what happened with that so we follow Art the Clown as he eventually makes his way back to the town meets up has a run-in with uh, our lead girl and we just watch as they ultimately battle it out right so i'll leave it at that there's a lot in this movie man it's it's a long one for sure there's a ton of fucking blood and gore and guts and all that stuff art is fucking insane he's creepy he's excellent i love it um so overall this was a, a really good movie uh I do have some issues with it we'll talk about it later but overall terrifier 2 if you are a gore hound you're going to fucking love this movie. Like it is the nonstop gore. Every kill is just over the top and he doesn't often stop there either. You think he cuts off someone's fucking face or something and it's done. Nope. He's going to torture him for a while. You think the person's dead. Nope. They're still alive somehow, even though they have 90% of their body fucking carved out of them. So if you're a gore hound, come watch this movie. If you like creepy little fucking dudes staring at you creepily and smiling, it's in it for you. So yeah, leave it at that. Terrifier 2 overall positive. Yeah, well, well, first of all, congratulations to Terrifier 2, because it uh, made history, well, made trivia history, as it uh, is the movie that finally took Top Gun Maverick out of the top 10 of the box office this week. So, I mean, yeah, they've, they've made, you know, I think 1.2 million in limited theater release, which is great. Great for a little indie horror movie that honestly didn't have a big budget. So, uh, big props to Terrifier 2. So yeah, Terrifier 2. Uh, first, I want to go back to Terrifier because, you know, I thought Terrifier was was decent. Like, if you're a gorehound, it was great. My biggest problem with the first Terrifier was there was no story, like, whatsoever. And I think they corrected that with Terrifier 2. We actually get a, a story with this one. I think, honestly, everything is better in this movie than was in the first one. Like, they, you know most sequels are, are tough you know you never usually you can't say that a sequel is better than the first movie i can 100 percent say that with terrifier 2 this is 100 percent a better movie in just about every single way better acting better gore better kills you know better everything so i ended up i, I left this movie really enjoying the hell out of it i had so much fun watching this i was really concerned about the runtime you know a slasher movie that is almost two and a half hours long seems ridiculous seems overindulgent seems way too much but honestly the runtime never bothered me all that much like i always found like there was something interesting going on on screen now could some stuff have been cut absolutely but I, you know the, the runtime never bogged this movie down for me which i mean that's saying a lot for a movie where about a clown that's just killing people for two and a half hours yeah i mean i thought lauren lavera was a complete badass as the final girl and i hope we see more of her i know she i mean she and she was an excellent interview and i can't wait for you guys to hear the, our interview with her at the end of the show but i hope she comes back you know i hope i hope we see more of her i hope we see her in terrifier 3 obviously they left it open-ended for a terrifier 3 and i think we will probably will see a terrifier 3 with all the success this movie is having so yeah overall really enjoyed the hell out of this definitely had some issues but as of right now i still don't know what i'm gonna rate this movie and you know i'm i'm teetering between one score or another and it's really gonna come down to how this conversation goes. Thanks. Uh, I agree with both of you and a lot of the points that you said. I like Terrifier. I, I thought it was a good movie, but not like great. But this one was just, 
like it was awesome i really enjoyed watching this movie i thought like you guys said it just improved on almost everything that the first one did it had the same like you know creepy art but it also had a goofier art which worked for this like it sounds bad that you have a goofy killer but his goofiness actually like adds to his creepiness and that was really awesome this movie introduced one of my new favorite characters in horror and that's uh little art or i don't know what they call her demon girl or whatever it is uh his imaginary you know little girl self uh i fucking adore that character super creepy and i hope we see more of that character going forward because it also gives art a little bit more depth like you see art in a way that we hadn't seen before and that was really interesting the gore is fucking amazing in this just top-notch really entertaining the way that the stuff that they came up with to up the first one was just really really cool um like like you said joe you know having a was lauren lavera just fantastic in this role um just really cool and one of my favorite if not my favorite interview of the year honestly and we only talked for 15 minutes but just a really big horror fan and you could tell that this is someone who will continue with the genre and yeah i just really really love this movie my issue with it is like you guys said i think it's too long and the last 20 to 25 minutes brought down the score a little bit for me because i did not like it i did not like the direction that it went into uh, and that includes the um, the after credit scene, which I thought was just so stupid, if if I'm being honest. So yeah, still really great movie, and I'm happy that this turned out to be so good because I was a little worried. You know, it's six years since the last one; that's a long time. I know they had it's not really their fault because COVID kind of shut things down and all that stuff. But I thought maybe in that time the expectations would go too high, but they matched them, and I, I love love this movie. So awesome. Six years, man. Dang, I didn't think it's been that long. It feels like two. Yeah, you know, my, my biggest gripe is going to be the runtime. I think, you know, I know Joe, it didn't affect you, but it affected me. I was like, there's points where I was like, all right, we need to get, get to the story with it. So I just didn't like the, the family drama aspect. I thought that could have been cut 100% completely. And we wouldn't have, it wouldn't have suffered either. And then there's a scene too, the dream sequence on like the kids show. Like it was cool, but like it didn't play into anything unless I missed the point of it, but it was like, this is cool 10 or so minutes, but it didn't add anything to the plot, you know? So like cut that out. I think he just wanted to have that scene in there. So he made it like a dream sequence, but all actuality, I think he could have left that alone. I mean, with, with low budget stuff, you're going to have uneven acting, which I, I put in my review, but that's kind of unfair because, you know, you got lower budget, you know, but the main girl. Yeah, I agree. Everything you guys said, she's fucking great. I want to see more of her for sure. And then Art the Clown, man, like he's like, so fucking he's so good in this role man like you see him in person and like he's like he can, i don't know he just plays the role perfectly like his, his mannerisms the way he looks the way he talks and walks and his just fucking the movement of his eyes and his mouth when he's he kills that guy in the halloween store like he goes and flips the sign to close and i'm like oh man this shit's it's gonna go down and then that scene too where the, the mom and the kid go up to the door and they see art like caught they caught him and he's holding the guy's head like like he's animatronic and like oh look cool and then he walks away and he tosses it so that goofy stuff like steve was mentioning was is really good but still like man this one was way too long and that ending too i didn't get it was it was it, were we were we supposed to get it is it or is it just supposed to be weird 
it was so weird and that is my biggest negative of this movie and it's so why i like i'm teetering because i loved everything about this movie so much until the ending like it became like fucking masters of the universe like with that fucking dagger sword or whatever the hell that thing was and i'm like what the fuck is going on here now the movie is so like not based in reality anyway though that like i'm just like okay like it's just fucking weird and like you just kind of like i just kind of went with it and like accepted it but i still didn't like i still didn't like it like it, it just got way too just like weird like i i like understood like i guess the concept because her dad like was a comic book artist and he like wrote out this character for her and like it came to life like you know on like on screen but I, I just thought it was stupid. I, I really, really disliked that ending, which is disappointing because I loved everything else about this movie. But yeah, that ending just did not hit for me. I, I yeah, yeah. It just, you know, yeah. I, I get that we know this is not based in reality, right? Because obviously, art came back basically from the dead, and it's fine for this movie. But that's all I wanted. Supernatural, anyway, was just that. Like Jason is like michael myers is you know they keep coming back from the dead but it doesn't mean they have glowing fucking swords that you get to kill them and shit it you just kind of accept that these killers are in a way immortal right it's just the way it is it's like a horror unwritten rule like just fucking go with it right they don't need to explain it we don't need to know why or how just go with it but once they introduced that whole fucking glowing dagger and everything it just it took me out a full point it went from could have been my favorite horror movie of this year so far to top 10 for sure but not you know at not not a contender for number one anymore that's how much i didn't like that aspect of the film and i didn't like that last 20 minutes you know so if they had ended the movie before that final scene uh it would have been way higher for me it just did not register with me at all. And I feel, and we've talked about this a few times this year, or I did at least, I feel like they put their best stuff early. So by the end, they don't have a big like wow moment to kind of finish it off, right? They The biggest kill in the film, which is that room kill with the girl, uh, is like what? Like midway to three quarters of the film. So after that, you're just kind of expecting more and there's there isn't that. And that, that was kind of a, a shame. Yeah, that that kill legit made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> like I was like, oh man, they're like going after it. And how on earth is that girl still alive, man? <laughs> mom walks in. I know it's not. It's just a movie, but mom walks in. And she's like, mom. I'm like, what? How much blood do you have in your body? <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I just had a question. Did did I miss how Art was resurrected, or did he just appear? Because in the um, the description here, it says, after being resurrected by a sinister entity. Did I miss the sinister entity? Or is it supposed to be his girl sidekick that I love too, Steve, by the way? She's really cool. I think it's just her. Like, I think it's it's, 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 it's not, it's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing explained. It's just kind of okay. some, something mm -hmm. resurrected him. Yeah, I don't get that description either. It's, I don't remember something like completely just resurrecting him, right? It was just. He was just in the morgue and. Right, and woke up essentially yeah. right that's uh yeah I, I i can't say how much i love that like her glowing eyes were creepy she was so creepy like it just i just loved how creepy she was 
And the only thing I didn't like about her is when she starts like imitating people's voices at one point. Like she imitates one of the boys' voices and stuff, and that kind of took me Terminator out of it. Terminator 2, man. Yeah, it's just <laughs> uh, I didn't like that part. But outside of that, her just being just just being there. She doesn't need to do anything. She's just fucking there. And that was creepy enough. And I, I really enjoyed that aspect. And the weird relationship that Art has with her was also both like endearing but also really gross and fucked up like the the scene in really early on in the laundromat because he needs to wash his uh his art to clown suit apparently which is very important he gets nude and then sees her and it's just like Ugh. I don't know. Yeah. but th- she's imaginary she thank takes god a shit but, too. yeah yeah takes a, shit. Fucking, a bloody shit like uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's you just... see art's butt for all the butt fans out there yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah Totally agree. She was she was amazing, and we actually in the interview, uh, we talked about how she should do cons like in the makeup with art and like a photo op, and how awesome that would be. So hopefully they'll do that because I think that would be so cool. So something interesting uh, that came out. So we're reviewing kind of a week late because you know uh, we had a bunch of stuff with the Omri interview and stuff, uh, but we got to see the reaction in theaters, and people were like passing out and vomiting at the theater, and people apparently were leaving like midway through. You know, you you always get that as um, like some kind of stupid marketing ploy that they do, but this one felt like genuine, right? This isn't like a marketing ploy that they came out with. This was real people just so disgusted by it that they're walking out. I'm like, kudos to the movie. Good, good, good job. <laughs> That's what you want, you know? Yeah, I'm actually really shocked this got a theater release. Like, it is so fucking like just not the type of movie you would ever expect to see in theaters and i just like wish i could have been in the theater with a person who like never saw the first movie and had like they just went with a friend or something not knowing what they were getting into you know what i mean and i i I agree with you steve i totally believe like people fucking passed out or puked in the theater because there's some really shock and i mean people have weak some people have really weak stomachs there is some high fucking disturb highly disturbing stuff in here especially that one bedroom kill which obviously we keep going back to because it's I mean, it was it was shocking, <laughs> you know. I, I shocking do because it kept going on and on and on. And, it did, yeah, yeah, yeah right, right up to the point where he's eating like something out of her fucking skull. <laughs> like it's just creepy. Uh, I do agree with you, Todd, too, about that whole like clown cafe dream sequence. Um, it, it was like cool in concept, but it dragged on a little too long and really did zero for the movie, in my opinion. So that was kind of. Uh, weird thing but the whole time i was watching that scene in particular but just the whole movie i was thinking fuck this would be the best halloween horror nights house because the movie is set up like scenes you know it's almost like a like a stage play in that sense where things would happen in one room and then move on to a next scene where it's another room and then it was almost like built in a way that was like different stages and i really like that that concept and i thought it'd be great to see Uh, they'll never do it because it's too much but (laughs) i think it would be fucking awesome yeah. And a lot of this, you know, and I mean, very big kudos, obviously, to practical effects for this movie, because there was, you know, I think in the interview, I think they said this movie's like 90, you know, 9% practical effects with just like very, very minimal CGI. And I mean, this is great. It looked fucking fantastic. The gorgeous looked so great, so real. You don't need fake blood. You don't need CGI blood. Um and I mean, this movie proves that practical effects is is definitely king because that that fucking gore was looked amazing. Yeah, and Damien does it himself, right? He does, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fucking legit, man. Yeah, super good. Like, yeah, I'm back to you guys too. Like, if you, if you did not know what you're getting into and you watch this movie, like, you're 
it'd be shocked especially if you're not like a like a big giant horror fan you're just going with a buddy or something like man you're in for it yeah you're expecting like it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you get this like fuck yeah. dude art would kick pennywise's ass yes or no well pennywise is really supernatural right well, so is art he sees yeah but diarrhea girls i, I think pennywise <laughs> he, he turned to a fucking spider <laughs> like, you know? got that yeah yeah we'll see with part three and then we'll ask that again right yeah. actually we uh we asked him the the question which clown he'd like to collaborate with so stay tuned for the interview for that uh it's a good answer i thought mm-hmm. yeah and we also had a very interesting uh he also had a very uh damien leone the director had a very interesting interview when i asked him if he saw an end game for art the clown or if he thinks art the clown will be like the new freddy for with you know or jason with 13 to 20 movies and honestly his answer kind of surprised me so yeah stay tuned for that for sure but here's my question i want to know from you guys because i know we've been pretty tough on art when horror fans have been calling him an icon after one movie and we're like come on it's fucking one movie no big deal do you think after this second movie do you think it's fair to call art now a horror icon or do you think it's still too early i would i would say no only because the audience isn't as big as like a Mike or Freddie. And I think, and I would love for them to tone it down and get a theater, like a wide scale release of this. Cause this is, if you tone down the violence, okay, leave the violence in for like the unrated disc for, for, the, for us, you know, but like release this in theaters and fucking, cause it's scary without the violence. You know what I mean? I can imagine fucking kids going ape shit over Art the Clown and saying fuck Pennywise. You know what I mean? So I think that holds it back in a way because you can't reach the, the wide audience. Yeah, you're getting the horror fans, but you're not getting like the maybe on the fence. I like being scared horror fans, you know what I mean? So no, for that reason only. And yeah, I it'd be really dope if you got this in the theater, like a wide wide scale rated R, you know what I mean? That'd be, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Like, I think the horror fans, he's definitely up there, you know, not quite at the the main stage, but... You know, he's, a, he's an opening act to the main stage at this point. Like, he's he's made this at least a show, right? And the problem is, there's no mainstream uh, recognition yet, right? It only came out in, like, 800 theaters, and that was a lot of horror fans. It made, like, 1.9 million or something over the weekend, which is great for a movie like this. But until you get a lo- all those eyes on it, he's never going to become kind of that icon. And you know what? That's okay, too, because not everything needs to go mainstream, right? We can have our own, as horror fans, our own little kind of icons that we really enjoy that a lot of people, you know, don't. So well, we can have our leprechauns and other characters that don't get the mainstream recognition, but we really like those characters because they mean something to horror fans, you know? So I think it's fine that it doesn't get its mainstream audiences, to be honest. Yeah. I can see this too being a, um, a next step horror movie. And what I mean by that is, you know, you got like a younger guy or girl starting out and they watch, you know, the, the typicals, you know, Jason, Mike, Michael and all that stuff. And then you're like, hey, you want to try some little bit more hardcore and not to like the fucking Serbian film bullshit, but like something legit. And you hand them this Blu-ray and you're like, yeah, try this out. Let me see what you think, you know, <laughs> and then this either, you know, makes or breaks them as a gore hound or not. So I can see this being like a, a, a almost like a final level kind of, you know gore level kind of thing what, what do you think though joe about it oh uh, yeah i mean i'm i'm right uh, uh there with you guys i think he is a horror icon for horror fans 
but he is not a horror icon amongst Freddy. You show a non-horror fan a picture of Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Leatherface. They're going to know who they are. They'll say, oh, that's the, you know, you show a normal person a picture of Martha the Clown, they're going to have no idea, most likely, who who that character is. So, yeah, he, he definitely has some time and a few more movies to go. And like you said, Todd, he, he's going to need a, a main, some mainstream release or something like that to, to reach an, an icon status. But he's definitely on tier B, I guess you would say. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing I want to know with you guys, what do you guys think of the cameos in this? So we got Felisa Rose as a teacher and we got Chris Jericho as like a <laughs> I don't know, nurse or something at the end. He's uh, a security guard. Oh, orderly. security. That's right. Yeah, orderly. Uh, that one was so out of place. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is Chris Jericho? Because I saw his name in the credits in the beginning and I'm like, yeah, I completely forgot. And then the, the, the end credits scene comes and he's fucking eating like chips or something. Buff ass security dude. I... I mean, it didn't bother me, but it was just like, oh, hey, that's Chris Jericho. Well, Chris Jericho is a huge horror fan. Massive horror fan. Um, he's featured prominently in In Search of Darkness because he has such a really cool, like, outlook about horror. And on his podcast, he talks about horror all the time. Like, he has all the horror guests because he's such, a, I'd say outside of his, like, interests, like music and wrestling, horror is really the thing he'd be wanting want to get into. And I feel for him, that's his next career path once he retires from wrestling, which has got to come at some point. I mean, the guy's fucking 50-something at this point. And I think he wants to make horror movies, kind of like CM Punk did. And, you know, Kane, I guess, did for a while there. And, yeah, I think that's that's why he's starting to dip his toe. He was also in Sharknado, like, five or what, six or whatever. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's what it was. And Felicia Rose was just weird. It was, I don't know. It was just out of place. She was fine. She, yeah. she, yeah. she, she was all right. She didn't do anything wrong. I mean, so no, that's movie she's been in in 40, yeah. 30 years. I was going to say that. I don't know if that would be mean or not. <laughs> but yeah, her performance is decent. Like, I, I did not like um, Hatchet for her character in that one. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, yeah, curse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think she I'm got, right she definitely, that. she got in here because, like, they're, all those people do the con circuit together. So I'm just yeah. like, hey, you want me to terrify her too? And they just kind of, like, threw her in there. Uh, but yeah, I actually met Jericho at a horror con. So he's definitely a massive horror fan. And he actually, we had a conversation because I was wearing my brain dead shirt. So we had a conversation uh, over that movie. So he's, he's he, definitely, le- definitely legit. And then he put you in the walls of Jericho. I wish. That would have been <laughs> sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that end scene, like, whatever. Like, I, I just chalked it up to just a really fucking bizarre end credit sequence. But I, I did not count that as, like, the end of the movie you know what i mean I, I just took it for a completely separate like thing um, what, what do you think of them bringing back vicky uh that's the girl with the like fucked up face right. from the first one into that yep. do you think that's showing that she might come back in some role in terrifier 3 i mean i wouldn't mind it because she's fucking terrifying in her own right like she's like really obviously she reminds me of like the chimp lady for, you know in in reality i guess like the yeah. lady who had her face eaten off by the chimp there so it's just like really fucking scary looking and yeah i think she would be a great character for the third movie and she seems to have completely snapped and birthed art the clown somehow some way so yeah i mean fucking weird but yeah like maybe you know she could kind of like be a minion of art or something like that and that could make for some really cool imagery you could be like a fucked up family. She's like the mom. Yeah, there we art, go. <laughs> and then you have the little girl all at a table, mm-hmm. like just being. Love it. Yeah, the crazy fucked up terrifier family. 
Yeah, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like the Sawyer family, but now right, we have the exactly. family. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole it. series is leading into is like <laughs> the birthing of this family. I think that's all I had as far 3. as my notes. seven on Letterbox average. Really? Yeah, very hmm. high. That's um, fantastic. Yeah. Which is right around our scores. So, what do you guys think, man? Like, did it? Did your score change up or down after talking? I'm I'm still kind of where I was when I watched it. Yeah. So I'll go first, I guess. I was teetering, you know, between a seven and a half and an eight on this one, like all, and that's why I still haven't rated on letterbox because I've been waiting to talk to you guys about it. You know, if it wasn't for that ending, like this maybe would have been higher, like Steve said, but that ending just really dragged it down for me. Like, I just think of the rest of the movie and how much fun it was like the ride, you know, and the amazing gore, the amazing practical effects you know, pretty solid acting from our lead anyway, actress. Um, and I just loved her character. It has a really great, we didn't really mention this, but it has a great Halloween vibe too, like throughout, you know, like the, that scene with Art and her in the Halloween shop, like definitely one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. I absolutely loved that scene. So you know what? Why not? Despite my faults with the ending and stuff, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. I think it deserves it. It's uh, a great triumph honestly for indie horror too to get a, a theater release and stuff like that so i you know i think it it warrants an, an eight out of ten okay i i still think it's uh way too long like we're talking like 30 plus minutes could have been cut and would have affected it in my opinion but i gotta love practical effects man especially a low budget like this a lot of people i mean go on tubi and people cut corners constantly and put stupid I mean, look at Rob Zombie, Devil Rejects, the fucking end shootout where they die, allegedly. And it's just a bunch of fake CGI bullets. And that was a fucking mainstream theater release, you know? And for Damien and crew to come out here and just, like, cut people's uh, legs off and skin them all on screen, it's like, fuck, man, respect. It's crazy. Like, taking risks and stuff. Art the Clown's great. But I still cannot get over the length of this movie. A slasher cannot be this long. So I'm sticking with a seven and a half out of ten on it. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I really did. Uh, you know more than three quarters of it were so good and should have been my number one of the year so far and hopefully there's more but should have been my number one of the year but that ending and now we say that ending and I, we talked about the sword which is like a you know two minute thing that ending was like fucking 30 minutes long <laughs> you know it's like a long sequence to get to that point and i was kind of bored throughout that sequence i did not like all the stuff uh basically at the carnival is when it started dipping the interest for me so when i say the ending i mean the last fucking half hour of this movie and to end in that way just really bummed me out and lost a full point so it was a nine had it not been for that ending which would have made it tied with my number one of the year but i'm giving an eight which is still you know top 10 but it's too bad but still fucking loves this movie and i'm gonna watch it again this is one that once so it, it never released in canada which fucking sucks for everyone here a lot of people actually couldn't watch it because it's only theaters right now. And it's so few theaters that if you live in like Kentucky or Tennessee, I know Chuck said he couldn't watch it. They couldn't, they can't watch it until probably November when it comes out to Screenbox. And even then Screenbox is exclusive to the US. So I don't know if international are going to get to see it this year at all. Yeah. And then that, that sucks. So I drew, we just got lucky that we got a screener for it because of the interviews, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I hope you get a chance to watch it because it's really worth checking out so eight out of ten for me yeah this would be a blu-ray pickup for me too and a rewatch in a couple months mm -hmm. cool we should all we should all do the art the clown photo op at texas frightmare together it'd be fun fun 
Mm-hmm. So unanimously approved. Oh, cool. <laughs> we'll flip Todd upside down and me and Steve can like. <laughs> <Yes. away. laughs> oh, that'd be funny, man. You guys ready for next week? It's finally here. Halloween ends. Oh, God. What is going to happen? This is like Will Evil most... die tonight? <laughs> I hope so. I hope they resurrect Tommy just to kill him again. <laughs> what are your thoughts going into this, though? Are you excited? Are you like, after Halloween kills, you're like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I am excited because, you know, my wife's not a horror fan. And, you know, she watched the last one with me. And we had a really good time just laughing how, you know, I didn't like it, you know, clearly. We had a really good time laughing about how, you know, stupid it was. I have this knife. Well, I have this knife. Shut up, fuckers. So I'm looking forward to it. We're going to make a thing of it. Order some food. Me and her just watch it. And I have the lowest expectations of any movie this year, even lower than the monsters. It's like, cause I just think it's going to suck. So maybe it'll be good. We'll see. Is it, it just, is it just me or for something that should be a big fucking event? The marketing just isn't there this year. Like, I don't feel I'm yeah. hearing a lot of buzz for this movie. I don't know what's going on with this movie that I don't hear. Like I don't fa- see commercials for it. I don't see billboards. I don't see buses fucking flying by with the with the logo on it which i i did see for uh halloween kills so i'm a little concerned if the studio is not backing this and they're releasing it to peacocks the same day which i also think That's is super really fucking strange. weird my expectations are low if i'm being honest now am i psyched to see it fuck yeah it's halloween like that just i don't care if it's fucking rob zombies halloween 3 it's a halloween movie i'm gonna be psyched about it just naturally even just to get to see the crazy michael myers we saw in Halloween Kills. If we get more of that, I'm fine, you know? But now, I don't lo- love Halloween Kills, but... So I'm going with tempered expectations. I am excited because it's a Halloween film. It's Michael Myers. It's Lori Strode's, you know, for sure death because there's no fucking way she survives that movie. But I got low expectations, so who knows? Maybe you <laughs> could just surprise me at this point. What if uh... <laughs> the final scene is Lori Strode? The credits roll. Oh, wait, there's after credits. Lori Strode's alive, everybody. She's deformed, though, but she's in a little prison ward. She gives birth to Michael Myers' head. Like Art the Clown. <laughs> yeah, you're nay. <laughs> Only if, like, fucking Please, uh, no. C- CM Punk could be the, uh, <laughs> the guard at the front. Oh, no, put just John Cena in there. Don't even mention it's John Cena. Yeah, just yeah, right. Just, yeah, don't sell it. Just don't yeah. sell it completely. <laughs> Wait, is that John Cena? And then, like, right. just next scene. What the fuck? Yeah. Are you guys both watching it at home? though or is anyone going to the uh, i don't have peacock um so okay. i'll have to see in theaters probably we got we got tickets for imax so nice. I'm, I'm i'm excited it's, for it it's gonna be cool hearing that music though especially in a movie theater uh, yeah definitely but i'm i agree with you guys my i like tempered expectations like I, halloween kills really killed the momentum that first movie uh created and i i just i, I don't know what to expect here I don't know. I just hope we have like some sort of conclusion, you know, like I hope they don't leave it open-ended, I guess. Like I, I, I want Lori to survive though. Like I would really be bummed if they kill her. Predict- um, all right. Prediction. So. so that's your prediction. She, she survives, kills Michael. I, she's going to, I think she's going to survive whether she kills Michael or not. You know, we'll see. There's like a lot of weird shit coming out about this movie too. Like everyone's saying it's not what you're going to expect. I'm hearing like, really fucking bizarre theories like about what's going to happen and stuff so i i don't know <laughs> what's the time jump on this one again it's like three or four years yeah. i heard they bring covid into it too which i think is like gonna be is a mistake oh we're past so, that now come on right did they shoot this one back to back with two or no? no 
No. Okay. They filmed it like shockingly not that long ago. Okay. Like for the for as big of a movie it was, they finished filming like this summer. Like it was. Yeah, I think it was over t- the summer. Yeah. It was like a tight fucking t- shoot for yeah. something like this. Prediction, Steve. What you got? For Lori, one of two things: either she dies early on and everyone gets pissed off about it, or her and she kills Michael, but Michael also kills her. So it's like a double ending of that storyline, but. I have a feeling. I have a fucking feeling she dies early, and really? people are not gonna like it. Yeah, resurrection style. Not that early. <laughs> like I'm, I'm thinking, like a quarter into the film, not fucking five minutes into the film. I mean, I don't think you're. You could be very right, Steve, because her shoot time seemed very short. Like I feel like she was only on set for like a week, and like her <sighs> filming set were done. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm thinking more along the lines of you, Steve, where they kill each other. But I'm also thinking they're gonna go a little weird with it and make the granddaughter like the next Michael Myers, like because she they they hinted at it in part one when they're in the truck fleeing and it zooms in on her and she's holding the knife. It's like oh, but they didn't explore that in part two, so I'm thinking they might go a little wonky with that. So yeah, she it's not a bad theory because like she was very angry in part two Mm -hmm. too, like wanting the revenge and stuff like that. So maybe if you know she snaps if lori dies because now her mom's dead and her grandma's dead and like yeah like but like what would be i guess what would be your motivation yeah i guess just like mental break and she just starts like killing people i don't know we'll see i i'm very interested to see how this is all going to play out and how it's going to end um obviously it's not gonna be the end of the halloween franchise uh obviously but halloween will never end as long as the money train rolls but it's gonna obviously it's gonna be number one in the box office this week sure. upcoming weekend and it's gonna be massive so you'll hear our thoughts next week for sure all right all right i guess that is it then for this episode don't forget uh stay tuned for our interviews with the cast of terrifier 2 director damien leone actress lauren lavera and art the clown himself david howard thornton thank you so much to three of them for joining us for those interviews don't forget about our events tomorrow with if you're listening as the day of release october 15th with damien maffey silver moon comics from one to five and next week next saturday october 22nd a day of hocus pocus with omri katz the signing from one to five and the screening at 7 p.m silver moon comics and cinema salem for those two events yeah i guess that is it don't forget to follow us on social media uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, The Horror Squad Podcast. And the absolute best way to keep up to date with us is our Discord. Just send us a message through any of our social medias or email Podcast at gmail.com and we will get you a private link to that Discord. Also, don't forget we have merch. Uh, tpublic.com backslash The Horror Squad Podcast. You can get some t-shirts. You can get some hoodies. We got a whole bunch of stuff on there. So if you want to support the podcast, Go buy some merch. We would appreciate it. And that is it. Next week, Halloween finally ends. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by a very special guest. He is the man that has created a new horror icon in Art the Clown. And after six years, Art is back in Terrifier 2, which hits theaters October 6th followed by hitting streaming exclusively on Screenbox. Please welcome director and writer Damien Leone. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, So Damien, I want to go back uh, to the beginning and I want to know where the idea for art came from. 
Oh boy. Um, he started, he originated in my first short film. Uh, that was going to be my calling card. Once I uh, got out of high school, I took one filmmaking class and um, sort of an aesthetics of directing introductory class, but it really wasn't for me. So I talked my mother into letting me, giving me money instead of going to film school to create sort of a, a professional short film. It's going to be the first time I shot on uh, actual film, 35 millimeter. And I sort of wanted to make a calling card with just, cause I was also a special makeup effects artist. So I was going to just pack it out with creatures and demons. And I had this idea for a psychotic clown terrorizing a woman on a city bus. It's just one of many ideas that I had. And I thought this would be a good way to kick off this short film. And then when it came time to designing him, uh, I just knew at the time that I wanted him to look uh, as opposite from Pennywise as possible because Pennywise was the king, still arguably the king. So I did not want to step on his toes. So we went in a very, uh, you know, black and white, very more simplistic and he didn't have hair and he didn't speak. Uh, so all across the line, then when I was sculpting his face, I sort of wanted him to look like your classic Joker, uh, like comic book Joker, actually, or um, your classic devil, a little witchy with the pointed nose and the chin and the cheekbones, the pronounced cheekbones. So that's kind of where he started. But he was only in the beginning of this short film for like two minutes. And he has this really kind of cool, suspenseful scene where he starts antagonizing this woman in a sort of an awkward, joking clown fashion. And it's kind of funny. But then it starts getting a little awkward and uncomfortable. And then he gets closer to her and it starts getting very intense. And eventually he's sticking her with a needle and she wakes up, you know, underground chained. And that was it. But everybody who saw that short film said, dude, that clown is crazy. You have something there. You have to keep going and we need something more. Right. And and then you ended up doing uh, All Hallows Eve, which, you know, was the anthology where art was, uh, you know, introduced, um, you know, what made did what made you I guess go from the anthology to doing uh, Terrifier? You know, did, was it always was that always kind of the the plan to uh, make like just exclusive Art the Clown movies or? Yeah, it was never the plan to make All Hallows Eve actually. Um, okay. Yeah. After the Ninth Circle, which is the first short film with art, then I made Terrifier, the short film. So both of those shorts wound up being in All Hallows' Eve. Um, but I always wanted to go from the Terrifier short to just Terrifier, but nobody okay. wanted to give me money to make that. And then, so I just threw those shorts on YouTube and the producer of All Hallows' Eve stumbled across them and he was looking for Halloween-based shorts by other filmmakers to include into this anthology and he loved art the clown and just wanted to feature him on the cover of the box and long story short i wound up talking him into letting me direct everything if he gave me a little more money to include a wraparound story and a middle segment and uh and that was that but um you know i made sure that i retained the rights to art the clown because i told him i always want to make a standalone film with this character. That was always my idea. So there's really no connection um, between All Hallows Eve and Terrifier. They're mm -hmm. in their own universe, but I did recycle some things from the short films that I always loved and wanted to put into the feature. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so, and here, here we are now where Art the Clown has become an icon of horror. Uh, you know, he is being compared to the greats of Freddy, and Jason and Leatherface. I mean, what do you think about that? It's, uh, I mean, my uh, my childhood self would be just kicking and screaming, just just going wild uh, over hearing that. I 
let other people say that. Like, um, I don't, I don't know if he's up there. If other people believe he is, that's wonderful. Um, I feel like we have a little more to go. And, uh, I think part two could be a make or break, or we'll certainly, if he continues to deliver the goods, I think that'll certainly kick him up a notch or two. Um, but it's, it's very surreal and very honored to hear that. It's, it's like the greatest thing a horror fan like me could ever imagine hearing. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, now with the success of the first terrifier, um, you know, I, I, the fan base was, was rabid and we had to wait six years for this, uh, second one to finally, uh, see the light of the day. Uh, so can you tell us about, uh, I guess the, the challenges that came about, um, with making terrifier two? Oh my God. Just it being such a big film and still a very indie movie. Uh, it's still mm -hmm. very low budget. But um, the scope is so much bigger than the first movie. I mean, as you know, it's now, you know, people are talking about, it's become a polarizing thing that the film is so long for a slasher. It's two hours and 18 <laughs> minutes long. And I didn't set out to make it that long. I just, I just wrote the story I wanted to write. And this was organically the story. But just like I said, just the scope and the amount of special effects, it was probably quadruple the amount of special effects. And I do all the special effects Myself as well, along with my partner, Phil Falcone, is my producer, and he assists me with all the makeup. But this is makeup that would require teams of people, honestly. And I actually, we reached out to another makeup company before we started filming because I was hoping they could tackle maybe 40% of the effects to lighten, lighten the load. And then like a month before we started shooting, we couldn't come to terms uh, financially and they wound up splitting so now we were really screwed because we were really far behind so we had to jump into filming without having a lot of these effects prepared so sometimes we'd have to go film right up to the moment in you know, a scene where the effects were going to start happening and we'd literally break for like five days maybe a week and phil and i would actually build all of these effects and then go back and shoot them and that repeatedly happened throughout the course of the movie and then of course covid hit us that wasn't uh that wasn't a walk in the park uh, that set us back about four months, but also mm. it, we, it was also sort of a blessing in terms of it gave us a lot of time to, um, to build a lot of the effects, especially for one of the main kill scenes that I never had time to build effects for. So we did wind up, I mean, it's certainly not a blessing, but you know what I mean? We used it to our, our benefit uh, in terms of just giving us extra time to uh, build effects. <clears throat> All right. Steve. I know you got a couple. Yeah. Uh, speaking of those effects, uh, you had some amazing kills in Terrifier, but you really raised the bar in Terrifier 2. Uh, what was the process of thinking of those kills and actually like executing some of those kills on screen? Yeah, well, one in particular that uh, it seems that everybody who sees the new one, they know the scene, the big kill scene in the, uh, in the yellow room. Um, that one, I was actually flipping through a book of Jack the Ripper um his you know a biography on him or whatever and uh there were actual images photographs of his victims and there was one victim in particular who was this woman was mutilated on a bed just so horribly beyond recognition and i thought it was so disturbing and i said well whenever i'm writing art the clown and he has to do something really sadistic or uh violent i just say i imagine if satan and jack the ripper had a child and what would he do? And now I'm looking at this Jack the Ripper book and I said, well, we could take this photograph and sort of reverse engineer it and show how this character ended up in that 
final awful state. So that, that's the kind of things that happen, the kind of mindset that I have to put myself in in order to write a scene like that. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. Um, Joe talked about Art being, you know, one of the classic villains now, just absolutely making his name in horror. I think you have another one in this film. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Demon Girl? I think she's fantastic and I'm uh, curious how oh, she came about. The little pale girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I knew that we were going to go hardcore with the supernatural elements in this one. And I was going to actually um, make that a character um, where a lot of other slashes sort of just gloss over the supernatural element. They don't really explain or show what kind of force is driving the character, why the boogeyman becomes the boogeyman, etc. So I knew I would have an actual apparition that would represent this evil force um, almost as Art's little sidekick. But I didn't want to get too carried away with her as a sidekick where she's with him every step of the way and she's sort of getting in the way of him being Art the Clown. So just showing up enough and just being his guide. But uh, yeah, she is dressed as a mini demonic uh, female Art the Clown. And uh, originally that wasn't my vision for the character. Originally, I, um, I imagined a little girl who looked like she was born in the 60s and she sort of had this yellow... Uh, sun sundress with like flowers on it and maybe like a little flower in her hair but still with that creepy look and then a year before we started shooting the halloween before we started shooting i remember seeing all these hashtags of people cosplaying art the clown and so many female art the clowns and i just said oh wow like you know it's so obvious i have to jump on that before it's too late so i quickly wrote this little art the clown character in there yeah, and I, I think she's on her way to becoming a, an icon, definitely uh, icon. We're, we're definitely going to see a lot of uh, cosplays for her. And I was telling, uh, we interviewed uh, uh, David before this, before you, and I told him, you guys got to get uh, the both of them in makeup together for a con and do a, oh, a photo op together with the both of them. That would be amazing. Oh, um, just a, Yeah. All right, just a couple more before we let you go, uh, Damien. Uh, so this second film, like we've been saying, it, it's even more sick and depraved as the first movie. And congratulations, you're the one responsible for it all. Um, so, you know, as, you know, a, a writer, do you have to go into a special sort of, you know, mindset or place in your mind when coming up with some of these sicker, you know, kills and whatnot? Yeah, I suppose you do, but it's never something where I have trouble coping or I have any kind of psychological <laughs> disorder. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, it, it comes pretty natural to me to come up with these things because I'm so well-versed in horror and i've been obsessed yeah. with horror movies since i'm a little kid but people people think i'm either lying or they don't believe it when i tell them that i actually do not like real gore if someone like mm -hmm. i have i have problems watching surgeries and things like that um if something happens in reality and i have to my fight or flight kicks in it's like i, I could I could deal with that. I could help somebody who's bleeding or something like that. But if someone like just shows me a picture of somebody like mutilated or, you know, I have friends who are cops and they are so desensitized and, you know, cops have like pictures like that on their phone and they'll show me and I'll be like, I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. But when it comes to something fictional, yeah, I don't mind, uh, you know, doing some uh, research or looking through a book of Jack the Ripper's victims or something like that. But I don't know the reason why, um, I don't mind putting such sort of extreme gore in, in these movies is because there is sort of a, well, in this one, especially there's a big fantasy element where it kind of eases, I would assume it would ease the audience uh, in a little bit more. Whereas if you had a movie that was as grounded as Henry portrait of a serial killer or something mm -hmm. like that, 
you leave a movie like that feeling very sort of, you know, bleak and grim. Uh, you know, the world is such a darker place. But when you leave Terrifier, I think you leave realizing you just saw a movie and uh, yeah. it's a little easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess my last question would be, uh, do you see an end game for uh, Terrifier and Art the Clown? Or do you see this like going on for, for decades to come? I do see an end game. I actually know how at this point I would end um, perhaps a trilogy. I, I've been saying I'd like to make at least one more because my biggest fear just being the writer is, um, is the well running dry and then there's nothing left to say and we start really repeating ourselves and the, everything just starts getting stale. Um, so that, that's my concern. I, I, there's a lot of things left that I want to do with art though. Lots of situ- situations for me to put him in and scenarios that I know would be amazing and hysterical and a lot of horrific things I could do with him as well. But I do have a solid end game in mind, but uh, you never know. I'm never satisfied um, with it, with an idea. So until it is set in stone in the editing room and it's shipped off, you know, I, I will constantly be thinking of better ideas um, or different directions I could take it in. So we'll see. Yeah. So what you're saying is we probably won't see art in space. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe Vegas. Maybe Vegas. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, Damien, uh, that's really all. That's all the time we have, unfortunately, because I, I mean, I feel like I could have talked to you all night about horror and everything else. But uh, it's been it's been a pleasure, man. Oh, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by a very special guest. He exploded onto the horror scene in 2016 as Art the Clown in Terrifier, and now Art is finally back in Terrifier 2, which will be hitting theaters on October 6th, followed by a release to the streaming service Screenbox. Everyone, please welcome Art the Clown himself, David Howard Thornton. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. So, uh, David, you know, it's been six years since we've last seen Art, uh, but his popularity has absolutely grown stronger with each passing year in the horror community. So, uh, you know, obviously, I would assume this was a pretty big, you know, life-changing role for you. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, most definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I no longer have to wait tables for a living. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> definitely so you know um have you had the chance to kind of take a step back and kind of see it at how it's all come together for you yeah and it's still very surreal mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, I have to pinch myself from time to time and make sure this is not a dream <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely now you know you think it would be hard to match the gore from the last movie but here we are. I, I watched the movie today and I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Like this, this movie yeah. does, does not hold back at all. Oh, no. So, you know, how are you guys able to match the depravity and sickness of that first movie? Top it, you know, was it a process that you were involved in or was this all in kind of uh, Damien's sick, twisted mind? I would say it's primarily Damien's sick, twisted mind because <laughs> yeah. he definitely took that as a personal challenge. You know, it's like, okay, I, let, how do we top the hacksaw scene from the first film? And so, but, you know, right. we, we would like email or text each other back and forth, especially when he had ideas for a kill, you know, because he likes to run ideas by people and we would just bounce ideas back and forth and sometimes build upon each other's ideas. But uh, yeah, I would say most of it is Damien's sick, twisted mind coming into play and, <laughs> He, he, I think he outdid himself in this one, especially with one certain kill, which you 
are pretty sure I, I, I you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I, abs- <laughs> I absolutely do. There's, I mean, there's quite a few ones, but oof, yeah. there's that, that one definitely, I think yeah. that will be, that will be the one every uh, horror fan uh, will be talking about for, for years yeah. to come for, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Now, perhaps, I mean, now that obviously was gore and everything was a big surprise. I, maybe not a big surprise, but the the top, the you know, topping of the first one. But maybe mm-hmm. the biggest surprise of the movie is the introduction of what I would call, I guess, little girl art is the character yes. is how I would call her. She seems to be just as sick and twisted as yourself. So uh, how did you first find out uh, about that character? Did Damien kind of hint you um, before or was it when you read the script? Yeah, that's actually a character, you know, we, we've definitely tried to keep up in the wraps for a while and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. we want that one to be a surprise for everybody. But like he, he, I think he kind of sort of came up the idea for her, like, sh- like, right near the end of Terrifier 1 or shortly after that. And it was just this weird scene where he, he came up with the idea of like, this, this kid and I doing each other's makeup and instead of actually doing each other's makeup or actually carving up each other's faces. And it just kind of evolved from that. And it's, yeah, he put this character into the film and it was a great way, I think, to explain, you know, in a weird way that the supernatural aspects of art, because that's something mm-hmm. we want to address from the start. And yeah, I, I love the character. I think it's such a creepy, tr- creepy character. And it, he, there's so many possibilities with this character going. Forward. Oh, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And I, I think, you know, she'll be a great little sidekick for you uh, going forward. And I, I think when people, you know, when the fans finally get to see her in this movie, they're, they're, she's going to be a, a fan favorite. I would love to see her like, oh, do yeah. some cons. I'd love to see oh, her yeah. do some cons with you. I think that'd be awesome. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> the funny thing is the actress that plays her is now, uh, Amelie is on soap operas. So that's, that's oh, like okay. she's, she's gone total dop- opposite ends of the spectrum. So <laughs> I'm so, I'm so freaking proud of her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So what was your uh, first reaction when you finally saw her in like the full art makeup? Was it on, you know, was it uh, when you guys were filming or were you able to see her kind of previous? Oh yeah. I got to see her previous, like when we were, uh, well, we were both getting our makeup done together. Right, so that was right. kind of like, a, but you know, the whole ensemble is like, it's, it's so creepy, especially her teeth because Damien inverted the teeth. So like her bottom row of teeth are on the top and the top teeth are on the bottom. And then she's got all that arm here and all that. It's just, it's such a creepy just <laughs> ugh, design and she she played it so well too she really did she, she was awesome and i oh yeah yeah the fans are gonna love her for sure um oh, definitely now yeah so uh you were given uh more opportunities in this film to explore i guess the goofier side of art you know you see a, mm-hmm. a lot more comedy with art in this one do you prefer the goofy stuff or do you like the more sadistic stuff with them I, I'm I've always been a comedy guy, so I do love the comedy. But you know, that's the thing we're always trying to find is that balance between the goofy side of art and the sinister, creepy side of art, because it's a fine line we have to walk. And so, you know, we're, we're Damien usually has to bring me back from going too goofy with things, because <laughs> I, I I'm just a natural, car- like I'm basically a human cartoon character anyway, and so. They'll, they'll be like someone hits me and I have more of a cartoonish reaction. It's like, oh, they're all laughing. But like that, Dave, you can't do that. That's too cartoonish. Like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I have to make it more, you know, <laughs> realistic now. And, and but we're always trying to find that that balance between the two there. Yeah, right. 
So now last time I had interviewed you, we had talked about the difficulty of, you know, playing a completely silent character. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious, now that this was kind of your second time stepping into the role, did you find it an, an easier transition? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And <laughs> what I really started doing, especially this time around, is I would just recite lines in my head of what I think Art would be saying in that moment. And that just really helped me just, I guess, emote the way he needed to be emoting in that instance because it just makes my face naturally react that way i guess if that makes sense (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah yeah you know i can imagine this obviously this is must be just like a super fun film to uh to make (laughs) (laughs) you know especially with all the amazing practical effects like yeah like i just love that damien keeps all practical and uses basically i don't think he uses any cgi that i remember in either movie really there's very little, very little. Yeah. It's like, like basically it's only where you could not do it practically. If like you actually had someone's decapitated head or something like that, mm-hmm. you had to have the face still move or something like that. Okay. That's where mm-hmm. he would use it, but he would map it on there. And it's, it's so seamless the way he's done it. It was because I did, I really thought those were just like prop, you know, prop heads yeah. that he, he Most created. Of, I would say 90% of the time it is, but there's yeah. those few instances, especially with that infamous kill where he had the, the prop and then he superimposed the actor or actress's face on top of that. So it mm-hmm. would blend. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a lot of very, very memorable scenes in this movie, but do you have one that sticks out, I guess, as your favorite or perhaps just like a story you have on set that was your favorite? I would say um, probably the Clown Cafe was one of my favorite nah, days, yes. <laughs> uh, favorite weeks, really, because that took about a week to shoot that whole entire scene. And it was, it was just so much fun because we had all the Indiegogo campaign people there as well. Oh, and awesome. so they were they were like some of the extras that got slaughtered in the scene. So it was like their infectious energy of being on a set just fed all of our energy plus i got to use some cool props in that especially that flamethrower so i was like yeah i was i was like a big kid on set that week i was i was having a blast plus i didn't have to get covered in blood and stuff like that too so i, I was like oh i don't have to be sticky for once this is nice right <laughs> that's awesome and what i gotta ask the you know the end sequence here that takes place in this sort of uh you know, Halloween fun house. Was that a built set or, you know, was that something that was kind of like used over? That's a real location. It's a, Fright it is factory. a real location. Wow. Yeah, Fright factory in Philadelphia. And so that was great because that saved us a buttload of money. In oh time yeah. <laughs> Cause we didn't have to build any of that. That was all right there. So you can go through that haunted house and actually see those locations from the film. Oh, that's awesome. And you know, um, all the fans are going to be jumping to that location now after this movie releases. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's, definitely. That's awesome. All right. Just a couple more questions for you, uh, David. I know now I know obviously the, the big question I'm sure you've been getting through all of this press tour is when will we see Art the Clown again? So are there plans already in place? Are you guys going to, are you guys looking into doing crowdfunding again if we do see a third movie or, or what's the idea? Oh, we definitely want to do a third film. That's there's no doubt about that, as you can tell by the mid-credits scene. I guess you could say right. so. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when that's going to happen, hopefully sooner than later. It just all depends, you know, how how well this film's received. It's, it's also with the Indiegogo campaign. I'm like, if if we're really successful, that might already just pay for part three. Who knows? But you know, mm-hmm. I think we're all, of course contemplating doing another Indiegogo campaign because it was very successful having the fan. Yeah the fans involved in it that way it's kind of more special that way 
definitely, definitely. So just one last question for you, a fun one to, to end off with you. Uh, so if you could join forces with another famous horror clown, who would it be and why? Oh, gosh. You know, see, most people would think Pennywise. Right. But I would say uh, it's, a, it's a lesser known film, but I think it deserves a lot more love than in recognition that it gets would be Papa Corn from uh, Ooh, Circus yes. of the Dead. Because I think both Papa Corn and Art are just, they're so much alike in so many ways, yes. especially with their depravity. And I, I think that that would be a fun combination there. Absolutely. Yeah. And if no one has seen, uh, we actually interviewed Billy Pond on the show before and he's, he's a, a fantastic guy. Great director. Oh, yeah. Really love nice him. guy. Yeah. And we would love, yeah. Papa, oh man. Papa Corn are the clown team up. I mm. absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it happen, folks. <laughs> well, Dave's uh, covering the Southern U S I'm covering the Northern U S there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, David, that's about all the time I have with you. I I'd talk to you all night if I could, yeah. but I, pre- <laughs> I, I appreciate all the time and everyone definitely make sure you go check out Terrifier 2. Is there anything else you got coming up, David, or anything else you'd like to promote or uh, maybe any uh, convention appearances you got coming up soon? Yeah, I got um, this other film called Stream that I'm almost finished filming um, that should be coming out next year. Got another horror film that hasn't been officially announced yet. This should hopefully be coming out this Christmas as a as a horror film based in uh, around the Christmas season on a very popular Christmas story that might make your heart grow three sizes. So that's a hint for you. All right. So yeah, so there's a lot of fun stuff coming your way. Also got a, uh, another film I'm going to be filming next year called The Dead Place that we're about to do an Indiegogo campaign for that as well, or one of those type of campaigns. So yeah. All right. Very stuff. cool. Very cool. Awesome. All right, David, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, man. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by a very special guest. She plays the character of Sienna in the highly anticipated Terrifier 2, which will be hitting theaters on October 6th. Please welcome actress Lauren Lavera. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry, that's my cat. He's being really annoying. Oh, <laughs> uh, no problem. Um, so why don't you start by telling us how you got involved in Terrifier 2? Yeah, just like anything. I I had only started acting about two years before I auditioned for Terrifier 2. And that was the summer of 2019 that I started auditioning. And I got it just like any other audition. My agent sent me the sides, um, which are basically scenes for the character. And I did two self-tapes for that at home and then one in-person chemistry read with um, Elliot Fulham, who plays Jonathan, my brother, and Casey, who plays Allie. And he told me, that day in person you got the part and I was like great let's do it (laughs) (laughs) perfect now had you seen All Hallows Eve of course and uh Terrifier the first one I'm sure you went and saw Terrifier the first one after you read the script or had you seen a previous so I was familiar with it and also I had seen the poster on Netflix like that cool Mm. art the clown poster I was like oh I gotta see that (laughs) I ended up not having time when I got the audition to watch it. So I was like, all right, let me just do this audition real quick. And I did. And then by the time I had my next call back, I didn't have time to watch it. So by my third in-person audition, I was like, all right, I haven't watched the film. He likes what I'm doing. I'm not going to watch it and be influenced and then, you know, do something crazy. So I ended up not watching it until I was cast. So I watched it that same day. I went home, watched it immediately and I loved it. And I've watched it three times this Halloween season. <laughs> I watched it before, but 
only this Halloween season since July, because that's when it starts for me. I've watched it three times and I'll probably watch it again. I was just like, it was so unique and the, the choices that Damien made were so risky. And I, oh, yeah. I that as an artist. So I love it. And I was like, all right, don't know what I got myself into, but I guess we're good. <laughs> <laughs> right and uh i mean david howard thornton just amazing as art the clown he can both be both chilling and hilarious so while filming with him did you find yourself laughing more with him or being a little scared of him i i think laughing more um okay. mainly because between action and cut he's art but uh, all around those times he's dave and he's just a goofball and it, it, it's charmingly so so he's a ham as well. So he's constantly doing like impersonations and, you know, these silly voices and you're just like, like, <laughs> you just have to laugh. And, and that's how he keeps, I think, energy up, which is, you know, so I'm so grateful to have a scene partner like that, who's able to let go of the character. He's not too much of a method actor. So after cut, he's not acting crazy or anything. So that was... I was very happy about that. There were definitely times that I was scared watching him because he's so good at what he does. And I do have a fear of clowns. So even, you know, that's to both Dave and Damien's credit because Damien did wonderful, wonderfully with the prosthetic and the art and then Dave bringing him to life. So yeah, he's chilling, he's horrifying. So there were definitely times that I was legitimately afraid. <laughs> Nice. Now your character, Sienna, she can be quite the badass in this film, especially towards the end. So did you did you try to channel any badass female characters from other films or was that kind of your all your I mean, your own inspiration? Yeah, I before we even started filming, I, I was really annoying with Damien, asking him questions about Sienna, giving my own thoughts about Sienna. And I asked him, like, hey, are there any characters, any final girls that inspire you and that maybe you know, might be similar to Sienna. And he gave me a whole list of movies. It was the best type of homework. So I watched mm. like Halloween, Scream, I watched Alien, I watched Terminator, like all of these incredible final girls that we still hold in such high regard. And I have a whole notebook. Well, it's really a binder. It's a pamphlet of notes that I wrote. I still have it somewhere. And like just characteristics that I thought were from those final girls that Sienna could align with. And I presented it to him and I was like, this is what I think Sienna is, what do you think? And he was like, yeah, absolutely all those things. And he also made a playlist for me because um, he knows that music helps me get where I need to be. So I listened to music and I had my notebook and that was how I channeled Sienna. And it was definitely, she was inspired by a lot of final girls, different aspects of final girls, but yeah, very much so. Awesome. So out of the homework he gave you, did you have a favorite film in particular that you watched for the, the homework? Uh, it's such a biased, it's really biased. I, I, because I already love Halloween 1978. It's probably my favorite Halloween watch. I mean, Laurie Strode is like the epitome of the greatest final girl in my humble opinion. Um, but like they were all so fun to watch and I watched them multiple times and I fell in love all over again with Sydney Prescott, you know, cause she's just mm -hmm. amazing. Scream is a wonderful franchise. So, I mean, it was, it was just the best homework. Halloween was probably my favorite to watch just because it always has been, but I loved watching them all. 
Excellent choice. So, I mean, there are many fun, but, and also jaw droppingly like crazy moments in this film. And I can imagine, you know, it must've been a pretty, you know, fun, but also unique film to make. So do you have any favorite scenes or stories from the set? Well, my favorite stories were after cut, we would get together a lot and we would drink and party and dance. (laughs) because we all stayed in the same space. So that it was really, it was a cathartic experience to be able to celebrate together. All the hard work and the harrowing experience we had the day before. My favorite scenes are probably some of the death scenes. Like, um, you've seen the film, right? We did, yeah. So, I mean, people are already affectionately referring to Ali's kill as the bedroom kill, and it's gnarly. I read, I remember when I first read the script, I went over that scene four or five times. Like, I just had to read it again because I was so like, what did I just read? And it, it played almost exactly how it was read. So Damien had such a clear understanding and view of what he had to do. My favorite experience and the thing that just impressed me the most was from Brooke's kill when he throws the acid on her face they used Mm. they used condoms with the bubbles on her face and I was like Mm. that's genius that is so innovative and I just really appreciated a lot of the thought that put into and creativity that was put into these kills so so many things I could talk about it all day but probably (laughs) about them uh, you had mentioned that uh, Damien gave you a list of music to prepare for this role. What kind of music did he give you and what kind of music inspires you to play this role? A lot of Fleetwood Mac. He loves Fleetwood Mac. He wrote Sienna based on himself. Sienna is a lot of Damien. Like even there was even like she orders a drink and she, I, I was like, she should order a rum and Coke because this is Damien's favorite beverage um he wrote it based off himself based off of his sisters and some of the other women in his life i fleetwood mac is a lot of what the the chromatics there was a song by the chromatics called i'm on fire and whenever i hear it i immediately think of sienna because she's kind of associated with fire in a lot of ways in this film um both literally and emotionally so whenever i hear fleetwood mac stevie nicks and the chromatics i'm like Sienna. And I still listen to this playlist to this day just for fun. I love it. Nice. Now, uh, just a couple more for you. I'm sure a lot of people have been asking uh, you this, and with good reason, because your character was was fantastic in this movie. So will we see Sienna for uh, Terrifier 3, possibly? Or have there at least been any talks? I'm sure maybe you're a little, you need to be a little tight-lipped about this, but perhaps you can kind of give us a little tease. Well, I will say this. When I was originally cast for Terrifier 2, I went out to dinner with Dave and Damien. And one of the things Dave had said to me, like, he wasn't even drunk. He just said this. He was like, so Sienna's going to be the Batman to Art's Joker. And I remember being like, dude, that's that's a lot. You, That's a lot to say. And, and he was like, I'm telling you. And I look at Damien and he's like, yeah, she will be. So I'm like, all right. So that's that. I think that's the the ultimate goal. But I guess we'll see how Terrifier 2 continues to be perceived. I would love that. But ultimately, it's up to the fans and it's up to Damien. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to say, I personally hope that uh, we, we hope definitely uh, see you in the next film because uh, I absolutely love the Sienna character. 
Lauren, we're, we're running, we're definitely running low on time. I really could talk to you all day because you seem like a, a great uh, person and a, seem to be like a pretty good horror fan. You know, is, are you a big horror fan or would you say this movie kind of turned you on to horror? I am a huge horror fan. I, one of my earliest uh, memories is watching Poltergeist as a child, as a baby. Like I was a baby. I probably shouldn't have. And that's where my fear of clowns arose because of that iconic clown bedroom scene in Poltergeist. Like it still haunts me to this day. But I mean, that birthed a very, very enthusiastic horror fan. And I've been watching a scary movie every night. So if you have any like obscure recommendations like please give it to me i'll watch it tonight <laughs> all right Ooh, you put me on the spot I don't, I don't got anything off the top of my head right now but <laughs> well we just we actually we just reviewed um barbarian um which just hit theaters recently and that was really good actually so okay. i'd recommend it and um yeah i think that's really it lauren um so before we let you go is there uh anything else you got coming out in the you know in the works or anything else you'd like to promote before we let you go I just uh, wrapped a film with Bill Mosley called The Fetus. I play his daughter in the film. And he was the main reason why I wanted to work on the project because I'm such a huge fan. He's, the, the amount of dad jokes that guy brought to set was just <laughs> unparalleled. He's a joy. And not only that, but Julian Curtis, who plays my significant other in the film, he, he was brilliant. And just the entire cast and crew was amazing. Um, so that's, you know, in post-production and other things that I can't really talk about, but there's that all right awesome well bill mosley i'm definitely looking forward to seeing that and hopefully we'll see you at a con soon because now that you did terrifier 2 i would love to see you at a horror convention coming up i will be in spookala and i think that it's florida um december 17th and 18th so maybe i'll see you there there you go perfect thank you thank <laughs> you so, thank you so much lauren uh hopefully we'll talk to you again soon absolutely thank you guys so much have a wonderful absolutely. day have right. a great one thank bye. you bye guests with us today all the way from miles county please welcome art the clown